how are you today, my friend? I am well, thank you. And you? I'm fine. It's just hot as hell up here in uh, the Northeast. It is. It is. Thankfully, I have air conditioning and it works. So yes. thankful for that. Well, me as well. There you go. Um, so what's new today? What, have, uh, what, do you, what would you like to talk about today? What I would like to talk about today is a uh, continuation of our discussion. Not really a continuation, just maybe a deeper dive. Deep tracks, as they deeper tracks, as they call the kids call about the music industry. Like you get the greatest hits, and then you go in a little deeper when you want to learn a little more about the artist. So I thought we would dive a little deeper on something that came up in the the last podcast. I will drop a link to it somewhere in the show notes for the podcast version and the YouTube video in the in the description box below. Just By the way, uh, speaking of music, did you yes. hear that Ron Woods passed away? I did. I yeah. did. Oh, God. Yes. Sad. Very. Very sad. A legend, an icon in the industry. Absolutely. Speaking of music, I don't know if you can see what I'm wearing today, but I'm wearing, oh, jeez. Woodstock. Yeah, I'm wearing a Woodstock yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, cool. So earlier in the day, I went to the market and a woman, older woman, said to me, nice t-shirt. I said, thank you. And she there? I, I said I wasn't there. And she said, I was. Yeah, sure. And she didn't look old. I mean, I mean, technically, I could have been there as a, a very No, you couldn't have. No, you couldn't have. You would have been like five. But if I had hippie parents, I could have been. Yes. Oh, I, no. I would no. bet you. I'll bet you. Oh, there were plenty there. of kids there. Absolutely. Right. I mean, There's plenty of people there either, out there my age who were there. Yes, I agree. Right. I was not. My parents weren't hippies. Right. That said. But you she, know what? That's also something like any big event, whether it's a ball game or a special situation. There's 500,000 people out there that were at Yankee Stadium when they won the world. <laughs> when Peter got that hit, the stadium holds 60,000 people, but they're 500. <laughs> right. That's true. I think this woman was there though. She said yeah, she no. was, she said she was 16. So she said she was, it, it really wasn't her. So she's her. like 70 now. She actually said she was 70. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to uh, the topic. So in the last, in the last podcast, the spark for the podcast was that tweet or that newscast. What'd you say? You found? Spark. I like that. Spark. spark, yes. Was the news article about a cheese steak shop owner in New Jersey right. who aggressively goes after people who leave negative reviews in the online review sites like Google Reviews and Yelp. And we got into the the discussion about whether that's a good or a bad idea and how it goes against conventional wisdom of either ignoring <clears throat> negative reviews, but the, the better advice is to engage in that public forum in a way that shows caring about doing better and making amends for problems. And he was having no part of that. And in general, the conventional wisdom is that you should engage with all reviews and show people who are shopping for your type of product or service that nope. you're, you're engaged with your customer base. Okay. 
So we also started touching upon the idea that uh, historically online reviews, and now they've been around for quite some time, there's always been polarity in, in online review responses, meaning that you get a lot of positive responses, positive reviews, and you get negative reviews, and the middle kind of falls out. And back in the early days, there was a lot more on the negative side before it became sort of mainstream to, to leave online reviews. And over time, it sort of shifted uh, much more to the positive side. There's certainly still a big imbalance and a lot of polarity, but more of it is on the positive end now. So we started talking about that a little bit. And I thought today we could dive into that a little, little bit more. And, I, and for everybody out there, we started looking to see what other people were saying, did our Google searches, and found a lot of articles and papers and academic research on those topics. And specifically, we'll talk about two articles. The first one, the polarity of online reviews, prevalence drivers and implications. And you can Google that and pull it up yourself. And then the other one we looked at is mass scale emotionality reveals human behavior and marketplace success. The difference between these two articles in a nutshell is the, one, the, the first one, Polarity of Online Reviews, really just takes a very detailed look at a lot of online review sites in a, in a wide variety of um, areas in terms of products and services. And it's a lengthy paper, but it tries to, to explain the uh, reasons why we see what we see and just sort of uh, document what we're seeing in terms of polarity. One of the interesting things is they, they you know, they try to quantify all the, the polarity. They calculate two specific statistics. One is polarity, and that equals the number of one and five star ratings, meaning the two ends of the, uh, of the spectrum or of the scale, divided by the overall number of ratings. Then the other metric is positive imbalance. And that's the number of four and five star ratings, meaning the two highest ratings, divided by the number of one, two, four, and five star ratings, meaning the two at the bottom mm -hmm. end and the two at the top. And this is where they sort of lost me a little bit. Because what they're saying is that three, a three-star rating means that the person is neutral. Yeah, which and I don't I don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. But it's the midpoint of the scale. So Correct. and you have an equal uh, number of choices in either direction. Correct. So what don't you think makes it a neutral? Uh, he can't, he can't even go a little positive and he can't even go a little negative. I think it depends on the person. I think, I think that everybody has their own calculus, their own, their, their own algorithm. Right. For deciding what a, deciding what's positive and negative. Agreed. Agreed. And it's also affected by their expectation level too, how that was met. No. It, it that yes and no. I mean, I actually think that that shouldn't be the case. But it is the case. 
Right, but if you if you start talking about what traditionally go back to before online reviews, there was a thing called like in two in 1995, <clears throat> you, you knew what a th five star hotel was, correct? Yeah. Okay. Did you think that a two star hotel was a bad hotel? Did you think of it as a, as a bad or negative hotel? I'm saying this because we're making we're saying that three is neutral and two is negative, according you know, to this paper. Um, well, I think back in the day, star ratings also um, sort of uh, told you what type of hotel. Correct. Right? It's what you were to expect in terms of right. you the, know, a the services. Hotel. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's that, why that's why I disagree with this. I yeah. don't I don't think that that's changed. I think tri triples triple A still exists and they they use diamonds instead of stars. Right. And I don't think that in in many cases you can travel to a place where there aren't anything more than three diamond hotels or motels and that doesn't mean that it's a bad hotel. It's just a level of service that you can expect compared to others. Right. So go back to why you think, because uh, I think that's interesting here. Why do you think three is not necessarily neutral? Right. I mean, certainly some people are looking at it that way. They see they see five stars, but and they say, all right, three is right in the middle. Two is worse than average, and four is better than average, and five's the best. But I think it's a leap to say that that's how everybody views that rating, that two is, is negative. For some people, four is negative. Again, yeah. if, you, if, you make the, the, if, you, if you look at all this data out here and you see that the vast majority are positive, hence this discussion about polarity and the positivity problem, you could make the argument that four is average or higher. I don't know. I don't buy that because um, then you're saying that zero, then you're saying 0 0.1 is positive. Like there are no, there are no negatives. It's, it's the, uh, you know, it's relative. Relative, strength it's relative. Correct. Yeah. relative strength is the right way to look at it. I believe. Right. I, I don't, then there's no home for the negative guy. I, I know I'm biased. I'm looking at it as the business owner, how I'm going to interpret those results even if they're just thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, yeah. okay, so wait. So if as the business owner, if you see that 95% of your reviews are fives, yeah. would you consider three a neutral review? Yeah, I don't think I it's do. Just, okay, let's go. We'll just keep going on. It, and then suddenly more threes come in. Your star average comes down. That's I'm not looking good. at Yes. So, so where is the home for the negative guy in your scenario? Again, it's relative. Let's say in my life, I've rated a hundred restaurants again, right? right? And 95 of them I've rated five stars. I'm an easy grader. I love everything, right? But I had five, five times out of those hundred, there was something that just didn't, I, I didn't like it. And I'm, I'm just, I was afraid to really give them 
a bad review, really bad review. So I only gave them four stars. That's a negative review for me. A four star review is a negative review for me. I, I get your point. And also it, that brings up um, another bias aspect of, of these reviews. You may be a regular there, you know, and you got to know the waiter or you got to know the owner. I don't want them to, I don't want to hurt their business. Right, you don't want to hurt them, but yet you don't want to leave a five too, because you're lying. Correct. So my four or my three is not, three is not neutral in that case. And four is not a, is not good. It. <laughs> I'm turning you. I'm convincing oh, you. you're not. <laughs> um, it's it actually, it's kind of an interesting. It's very interesting. And you made a, you made this point. I don't remember when you made it. It might have been this conversation or another time. Yeah. You said the difference between what we do as a as an online uh, customer status customer and guest satisfaction measurement service. I mean, that's the the long winded way to describe what we do. But the difference between what we do and what the online reviews are is that people are the online reviews people are scoring and assigning a number they're rate it's a rating they're giving them a rating right whereas we are asking a bunch of questions and coming up with a score based on the answers to those very carefully chosen and curated questions yes right yes and our Thank algorithm you. is designed to interpret all those answers into a numerical score right and that's why that's why we, our score, our fan value score is, is designed to determine positive and negative. That's why we have zero is neutral. And then we have a plus one value and a plus two value, which are relative strengths in terms of positive. And then we have minus one and minus okay. two, which are obviously relatively negative. So this article is trying to just document the positivity problem based on a couple of calculations they've made and just throwing all the data out there. They do talk about the, the self-selection bias, which, you know, the methodology, and we did talk about this in the last episode also, that by and large in these online review sites, people are on their own going to going there to leave reviews. And you have the the problem of people who are just active review. Why, why is somebody an active reviewer? And there's a number of reasons. If you talk to the guy from the cheesesteak shop, he'll tell you that there are people out there who are active reviewers out there to just, you know, they're just bad people. They're, they're, they want to be known as the, the nasty reviewer and go after I'm on their hands. They're, yeah, and then there's people who probably just uh, they they want to pay it forward. Again, yeah. 90 plus percent of people are relying on reviews to make purchase decisions. So they want to contribute. They want to be part of that community. And you're, you're both a consumer of that information and you're a provider of that information. So that's why reviews have probably, you're finding a lot more active reviewers. And then there's the, if you go back to the beginning of it, you, you just find the people who are, you know, really happy with a product or service and they want to tell somebody about it. They want, they want it out there. So if they're happy, they're going to talk about it. And if it's negative, they want to warn people about it. But 
it's part of our culture now. It's part of our economy. It's an important part of our, our economy, this user supplied data. So that's why it's out there. But they do talk about because it's not a programmatic um, request for feedback, there is some self-selection bias that's part of it. Right. There's self-selection bias even if you do have a regular programmatic um, request for feedback, and we can talk people, about that right. later. But people are opting they in. They do. Up. They do discuss it here. So that's it. They're just documenting and, and explaining the positivity prob problem and 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 so forth. The other article that we looked at pretty carefully was the one called. And I said it before, mass scale emotionality reveals human behavior in marketplace success. And as you know, we talked about this before also, this one goes a step farther and, and talks about that it's because the ratings are so overwhelmingly positive. And in some cases, specifically, they cited um, Uber, where the vast majority are, are way, are, are more than 90% or five, so it's crazy it dilutes the importance of the numbers. And they they started talking about, you, you can talk about it, go ahead. No, no, I, I mean, they talked about how, they, what they called emotionality, they, they feel that is more significant in, in determining future business success. Well, I mean, it's the art, they, they're using machine learning and artificial intelligence yeah. to go beyond- To go just, beyond just the number rating scale. Right. Like, and that brings up a whole nother topic. How do you objectively define an emotional response? You know, how do you? Uh... Yeah, no, I know. I mean, they were obviously going far beyond sentiment analysis. And there were some questions that we both had, I know, about the, the methodology there. But it's just interesting. We don't have to go into detail. People can find it for themselves and, and read it. But there were some methodology question marks that we both had about it. Okay, so, so we have, it's out there that there's a positivity problem, but what does that mean for both the consumer and the business owner? So I'll start with the consumer side of it. You know, if I'm shopping for, let's take a look at Uber as an example. I'm looking for a ride and I'm in a big city. So conceivably, now I don't know if this is true, as we sit here in August of 2021, because I haven't been in an Uber since March of 2020 because of COVID, but uh, I used to use them a lot in cities. And often when I would look for a ride in the city, there were a lot of choices. There were, there were a lot of cars you could see on the, on the app, on the map around me. And the positivity problem created a bit of a dilemma sometimes, because as you know, you would often see a driver and he or she, her, her, let's say her ranking was 5.0 and she had 1,800 1, data points. And she had a perfect 5.0 score. That's fantastic, isn't it? I find it hard to believe and we, we don't have to get into the, the way Uber does all that. But let's say the first person who popped up had a 4.7 ranking. They also had a lot of people who had uh, reviewed them. 4.7 is actually not all that high for Uber, amazingly. If I saw that, I might try to find somebody higher. So that presents a problem for the consumer when, you, when all the numbers are skewed so positively. 
it's hard to make distinctions between really good businesses and not so good businesses when a theoretically one to five scale has been you know rendered relatively quarter down yeah yeah exactly so how does a business what's a business supposed to do with all this information i mean at the end of the day the reviews are there and businesses can choose to just just deal with them as they come in or they can choose to manage them in a different way in a vacuum the reviews provide some information they're not a perfect picture of of a of a business's customer satisfaction overall because of the self-selection bias we just don't have enough data points from customers because of the the way that reviews arrive on review sites that said, the reviews are there and there's information to be gleaned from them. The review sites are important. Yes. They are, they Very. can be used, they can be, they can be dreaded, like this guy, the guy from the cheese, cheesesteak shop. He obviously dreads the online review site. Or you can choose to embrace the idea that more than 90% of people who are going to end up in your new people who are going to end up in your business will have looked at the online reviews. So how do you embrace it? Well, to your point, if there are negative reviews, you have to acknowledge in that public forum, you have an opportunity to show how you react to problems in a public forum. And not not for nothing, save save the customer. Yes, you're gonna save an individual customer, but you're gonna also show future customers that, that you yeah, we do just like everybody else we're not perfect but when we're not perfect this is how we handle it right again you have this opportunity in this public place where your future customers are looking it's better than buying an ad somewhere Absolutely. they're going there anyway make Absolutely. yourself look as good as possible in the place where they're going anyway right 100 but yeah. beyond that uh, that's at a minimum, that's what you should do. And to my point or to my comment before about what conventional wisdom is on how to handle reviews, you should probably engage with all of them. Thank all the people who leave positive reviews and engage properly or appropriately with the negative reviews. But beyond that, you should try to get more reviews to to the site. Again, the the more reviews you have out there, the more of a thriving, ongoing, vibrant business that you have that prospective customers or guests of a hospitality business will see. Certainly you want as many many perfect scores as possible, but it's- But a vibrant business with a lot of activity in the review world is good. It's it's a positive thing. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But, you know, being, we're in this business. We we take we want people, and most do. Most businesses businesses these days do to go that extra mile and and actively have a program in place to ask for feedback from yeah. every customer and every guest right. in, a, in a formal survey process. And as part of that process, like we do, you should be asking for those people to not only tell you, but can you share some of this information? In the right. public forums, it's the best place to 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 have information out there. We, right. you're never going to get. You can buy all the ads you want, but most likely, ninety percent of your future customers are not going to see that ad. Some smaller percentage are. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's all I thought we could talk about today. Mm-hmm.